this free Sunday that I have to speak is going to be um, a message that I've been working on for quite some time and shared it last night for the first time and want to uh, repeat hopefully what happened last night, but it's on the topic of blessings or what it means to be blessed. And so I'm going to pray and then we're going to dive into things together and just look through some scripture in regards to this issue of what it means to be blessed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for your son who we just spent some great time worshiping through the package of songs that we had and the opportunity to look beyond ourselves and see our Savior. And so as we do that, even as we look at this topic of being blessed and what it means to be blessed, Lord, may we truly see Jesus. Because if we were to learn great things this morning and miss Jesus in the midst of that, then it really wouldn't be a fruitful and positive Sunday. And so, Lord, help us in the midst of everything that we do right now to truly and really see Jesus, our Savior, in whose name we pray. Amen and amen. This past week, I was uh, just outside of Winnipeg at a seminar that a group of pastors had come together for, and we're learning about uh, how to make disciples in the local church and what that looks like and some strategies and and different uh, suggestions from our guest host. But one of the things he told us was that He said, as human beings, we have these um, predispositions towards believing certain things. We have a a predisposition towards doing certain things. And so he gave us this exercise, which I'm going to give to you right now. And so I need you all to stand up. Everybody stand up where we are. And I'm just going to try and prove this point that we are predisposed towards certain things. And so if you happen to be with uh, your spouse or or a significant other that uh, you care deeply about, then you can turn and face them. If you're by yourself, you can just look at me and I'll have to be good enough for this exercise. So turn and face your spouse if you want to. It's your choice. You don't have to. But what I'm going to say to you is that um, we are predisposed to a certain way of kissing. And so it's not that complex. If you've never done it before, just listen to me, okay? Or if it's been a long, long time, then just listen to me as well. Because you see, there's really only two ways that you can do it. You either tilt your head to the right and move in, or you tilt your head to the left and move in. Yep, some of you have already got it. You're practicing. That's good. It's okay. God will not be upset if you kiss in church. Just going to say that right out loud. But you see, and if you've never kissed before, let me just sort of help you out with this. Never go straight on because you have a nose and the other person has a nose. It, it doesn't, you, you can try it, but it really doesn't work that well. And so you're predisposed to either go to the right or you're predisposed to go to the left. But it's generally the same way all the time. And so if your spouse wasn't here and you came home later today or went home later today and you changed it up, they would probably give you a kind of a funny look like, where have you been and what have you been doing? This is not the regular way that we do this. All right, you can be seated. Thank you for indulging me. My conviction today is that as we open the Bible, we're going to talk about this little word called bless or blessing or blessed, and we have a predisposition as to how we understand it. And I'm going to walk us through some Old Testament passages and then go into the New Testament, and then we're going to end up in Matthew chapter 5, where we're going to look at the the, um, Sermon on the Mount from Jesus for a few moments. But I believe that we have this predisposition to this biblical concept in one particular way. And my intent, and I'm being very upfront and honest with you, my intent this morning is to change our predisposition. 
And if I can't change it, then I hope to make you think a little bit about it as to how we look at this word when we say we want to be blessed or we're trying to bless someone. I don't think that's revolutionary. I think most of us as speakers, when we get in front of an audience of people who are church-related and, and faith-related, we, we take the Bible and we want to conform our thinking and our living to what the Bible has to say, right? It, it's our pursuit in life to have our lives become more conformed to what God has to say to us. So let's just start with the idea that uh, the, the word blessed is is all throughout the scripture. Over 400 times it's actually mentioned. And so if we start in the book of Genesis, it doesn't take very long in this great story called the Bible before we get into the word blessed. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 22, we encounter it for the first time, and it's the story of creation. So very early on in the process, we see God using the word blessed. So in Genesis chapter 1 verse 22, it says this, and God saw that it was good, and God blessed them. This is the fish and the, and the birds, he blessed them and he said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. So that word blessing, it's a physical thing. He wanted them to be fruitful. And then we go down to the creation of mankind, verse 27, it says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, and on he goes. But the idea of being blessed had a physical aspect to it. He wanted them to know and to do something for them. Uh, in Genesis chapter 12, we see a new concept or a new idea in this word blessed. And if you've been in church for any length of time, this story won't be new to you at all. And you'll remember it because it does connect directly to us down through the chain of God's story in Scripture. And in Genesis chapter 12, we have the story of Abram. It says in verse 1, the Lord said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. Verse 2, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Interesting. Different picture, a little different concept. The two words that come clear for us in the original language in the Old Testament are the words Barak and Esher. The word Barak means to praise, to congratulate, or to salute. And the idea here is to wish good upon the one receiving the blessing. So just think of it in a very everyday kind of way. When someone sneezes, we say, thank you. You're still with me, this is good. When we say bless you, we're not saying, I hope you get more sick. I, I look for the history of that, and there's really no straight line of where that all comes from. But the idea is to bestow good health upon the person, a wish of good intentions. Bless you. I hope you don't get sick with that sneeze that you have. I want something good to happen to you. And so it's physical and it's tangible, even though it's words that are spoken. The word esher indicates a state of happiness. Now that's interesting because we see that in Psalms chapter 1. The very first psalm that, was, that we have recorded for us here, it has that word esher in it. And in Psalm chapter 1, it says this in verse 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. Now remember, esher indicates a state of happiness. 
So what the author of the Psalms is saying is that your life is going to be better, happier, if you don't do these things. So blessed, more happy, more fulfilled you will be if you follow these instructions that are here in Scripture. So when we bless someone, we want to wish upon them good things. But as well, there's very much in the Old Testament this, this picture and concept of physical things. In Genesis chapter 24... Abram's servant is sent off to go and find a, a wife for his son. And so when he meets the prospective family that he's going to take the woman home to his master's son, he explains to them how blessed Abraham has been. And he says, he's got all this stuff. And he lists off a whole bunch of things that Abraham has in the sense of his wealth. So he's been blessed by God, his servant says. And then the story of Job is another story where we see the word blessing in the physicality of it. We remember the story of Job. He had lots of stuff, and then he had no stuff. And then at the end, we read these words in the last part, the last chapter of Job. It says in verse 12 of Job 42, the Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the first. He had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 donkeys. And it goes on to list his sons and daughters. In the opening chapters, it has a list of his wealth. It's not as much. So God blessed him more in the sense of the stuff at the end of his life than he did at the beginning. Hmm. So early on, in the Old Testament, we see that blessing carried with it this physical element, this physical aspect. It is here where I think... It is my conviction that our predisposition is to be more Old Testament in nature than New Testament. And I find that quite fascinating, actually, because out of all the Old Testament, there's a lot of stuff that we as New Testament believers, we don't want to be like that. But when it comes to blessing, I think we do. When I was pastoring in Saskatoon, I started a men's breakfast that met on Friday mornings. We met from 6.30 to 7.30 in a restaurant that gave us a separate room. So we could order whatever we wanted off the menu. We would order our food, talk for a while, eat, and then we'd get to a point where we'd share together, and we shared two things, blessings and prayer requests. And then we did a 20-minute study into the Word, and then we'd be gone by 7.30 because there were a lot of guys with jobs and businesses that they had to get to, and so we committed to 6.30 to 7.30. But the key was the blessings and the prayer requests. I get to visit Saskatoon on a regular basis with my job, and so I often, if I'm there on a Friday, I will go to that men's breakfast and sit in, and they're still doing the same thing to this very day. They share blessings and prayer requests. As I sit and listen, so often the blessings that they share are tangible things. They say stuff like, uh, I got a new job, we had a grandchild born, uh, I had two weeks off on vacation, my wife is feeling much better, um, our kids got a new car, and there's nothing wrong with being thankful and giving God praise for these things. Nothing wrong with that at all. But as we move from the Old Testament into the New Testament, let's see what we learn about this concept of blessing. There's a more, more spiritual aspect of blessing in the New. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Here it kind of encapsulates, Paul does the whole picture of what it the New Testament is saying when it talks about how blessed we are, okay? 
In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, Paul writing to the church there at Ephesus, and he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, now listen to this, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Wow. Has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. And so there's this idea of it having happened, but it's an ongoing thing that still takes place. And so it's like when we encounter Jesus Christ and we give our lives to him, then we journey through life with the realization that we have been blessed by having a relationship with Jesus, but then that blessing goes on and on and on and on because Paul says we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing, not a handful, a couple, a few. He's been blessed with every spiritual blessing that there is in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Wow. That begins to change things. Scholars tell us, as I've researched this and looked at it uh, throughout the Old and New Testaments, that there is no reference in the New Testament to blessings being of a physical nature. Interesting. Many references in the Old Testament to blessings being of a physical thing, something that you can tangibly touch and feel. But in the New Testament, it changes. And it says, no, no, the blessing is attached to your relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, we need to keep that in mind as we go to Matthew chapter 5 and we unpack the idea of what the Beatitudes are all about in the Sermon on the Mount. Go to Matthew chapter 5 in your Bibles if you have them there with you. So we looked at the Old Testament physical aspect, we looked at the New New Testament spiritual aspect, and now I want us to look at this idea of having a passion to actually be blessed, and what that means and what it looks like. Let me just read to you Matthew 5, the first few verses, and think and picture this, because it's the Sermon on the Mount, so Jesus has gathered these people together, he's now uh, sat down, and he's beginning to teach them. So it's an assembly somewhat like ours, a little different locale, but he's assembled them to teach them. So in chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Now when he saw the crowds, that's Jesus, he went up on a mountainside, sat down, his disciples came to him and began to teach them, and here's the starting of it. Got a group of people together, his opening line in a sermon that we have recorded for us in Scripture is this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Hmm. You know, I I communicate for a living, and I want to tell Jesus, that's not a great opening line. You're not going to warm the hearts of the people so that they're going to want to listen more. In fact, he starts off with something that is incredibly countercultural. And as countercultural as it was back in the day of Jesus some 2,000 years ago, it's still countercultural today. Let me just continue reading a few more of the Beatitudes and hear what he has to say. So he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And if you've been in church for any length of time at all, you know that it goes on and on. And just to be frank, it doesn't necessarily get better. The blessings. How is it that Jesus can look out at this crowd of people and say, if you want to be blessed, here's some help for you. Well, let me just 
unpack some of this stuff and see if we can't get a grasp on what he's trying to say. First of all, we need to understand that the Beatitudes are progressive in nature. They're not a haphazard of things where Jesus says, oh yeah, here's one, here's another one, here's another one, where he just throws out some random ideas. He's actually leading them through a progression to help them understand what it means to truly be blessed in our relationship with God. So the first one is, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. What's he saying? Well, one scholar has said that when it comes to that word blessed here in the Beatitudes, the fullest meaning of the term had to do with an inward contentedness that is not affected by circumstances. So if we want to be blessed, Jesus is saying, don't worry about the stuff. The stuff is not going to last. The stuff is not going to give you the satisfaction. Let me walk you through how this is going to happen in your life if you really want to be understanding what it means to be blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit. It starts with knowing our need. And that word poor carries with it the idea of it being begging poor. That you are so poor, you've got nothing to offer. Remember the story of, the, uh, of when Jesus was sitting outside the temple with the disciples and that woman comes by and she's so poor that she puts in her might, her, her last little coin? Well, she actually had something to offer. So what this is talking about is someone poorer than her. And it's not talking about how much money we have in our bank accounts either. He says when it's poor in spirit, it's not talking about material things at all. It's talking about the inner condition. He says, blessed are you when you understand your need. When you realize that when you look inside of your own heart and your own life, you've got nothing to negotiate with. You can't bring someone for something forward and say, well, you know, I've got this and this and this I can lay down here if that makes God be impressed with me. Blessed are the poor in spirit that when they look inside, they recognize I've got nothing. I am begging poor when it comes to the idea of being spiritually connected to God. I've got nothing to offer him. And so I need help from the outside. That's how impoverished, spiritually speaking, we need to see ourselves. When I turn to God is when I begin to fully understand and grasp the poverty of my own soul. And it's a good place to be, Jesus says. Remember, it's progressive. Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who recognize their need. And then he goes on, he says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. It's not haphazard, and he's not talking about when uh, we have a family member who dies and it causes our heart to grieve and mourn. That's not the picture here at all. It's when we recognize We look inside and realize, I am poor in spirit. I've got nothing to offer. And in fact, when I look inside, what I see is my own sin. And my own sin has separated me from God the Father. And so what I do is I grieve over the condition of my own soul. And Jesus says, blessed are you when you recognize your need. And blessed are you when you actually mourn and grieve for the condition of your own heart. And look what he says, though. He says, for they will be comforted. So it's not a picture of just bad news. It's a picture of recognition that comes along and God says, now we're moving in the right direction and I'm going to help. Hmm. In Psalm 119, verse 136, we read these words. Streams of tears flow from my eyes, for your law is not obeyed. 
when I look inward and know that I cannot solve my own problem, when I see my own sin, and when I see that sin, I am led to repent with a sorrow that is godly in nature, Jesus says at that moment, blessed are you. You're moving in a healthy direction. Progressive. Blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn. The next one, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. That's an odd one, the meek. We tend to think of meekness with weakness, if we're honest. But I like what one scholar wrote, and and I, I put it down in my notes because he came across this definition, and he said, meekness is power under control. And he gave two illustrations, and, and one of them is Jesus himself when he was being taken to the cross and, and was being abused and whipped and beaten and was being hung there and his life was going to be taken from him. They did everything they could to break him. And he could have called, the scripture makes it clear, the angels to come and rescue him, but he didn't. Why? Because there was a power under control, him knowing that this is his father's will, and so he was going to walk that journey, recognizing that his father had ordained these things, and that was a power that was actually under control, not a weakness that couldn't do something. The other story he gave, which I thought was fascinating, is the story of Joseph in the Old Testament in the book of Genesis. Again, if you've been in church for any length of time, you'll know that story. Joseph was sold by his brothers into slavery, right? He hadn't done anything wrong other than wearing that stupid coat that his father had given him. And he did brag a little bit about it. But his brothers sold him into slavery. He went to another country. He, he ends up in a, in a great situation because he gets bought by this guy Potiphar who then rings, brings him up through the ranks and, and he comes second in command in the country. But then something happens where he's thrown in jail for unjust reasons. And there's no picture anywhere of Joseph ever looking to exact revenge. But rather he responds with meekness, a power that's under control. And when we get to the end of his story, when his brothers have to come down because there's a famine in the land, and they don't recognize Joseph, but Joseph recognizes them, and he's got all the power and all the authority to do whatever he wants. And what does he say to them? He says, ultimately... You know, when you did that, you meant it for harm, but God meant it for good. Power under control is meekness. Recognizing that our lives are a journey with our Heavenly Father, and whatever happens, we are going to yield to that, submit to that, and say, okay, God, you've got a plan for my life. And when we are meek, Jesus says, you are blessed because you're understanding that your father is actually the one in control. The next one is where I'm going to stop this morning because I think it's here that we can begin to see and have our thinking transformed of what it means to be blessed. He says in the next statement, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. Wow. Wow. What does that mean? Well, the picture of what it means to hunger and thirst, we can, if you and I could take a trip and go to a, another continent, let's go to Africa. There's, there's constant problems in Africa. It's regular uh, there that they have famine. And, and often there's, there's just those pictures that we see on social media and the news of, of people who are so broken and malnourished and they just want to have a drink or something to eat. And we go there with 
a load of food and water, and, and we've got all the supplies that they would need to be satisfied. And so we, we walk out and we see a group of people sitting over here and, and they can't move because they're so malnourished. They haven't eaten or drank anything for so long. They can't even get up to come and greet us. And we walk over to them and, and we greet them and we let them know, do you know that I just recently got a new app on my phone? Let me show you how it works. It is so cool. And behind us is a truck loaded with food and water. But we're so busy with the stuff that we show them Are their eyes going to light up as we show them the new app that we've got on our phone? No, because they just want a drink of water and something to eat. Jesus says, blessed are you when you look at this whole world with all of its stuff and you have no regard for it at all because you are hungry and thirsty for one thing only and that's the life that I have for you, my righteousness. Blessed, satisfied, happy, content. And actually the word that Jesus says to them is that they will be filled or they will be satisfied when they hunger and thirst after this. You see, we are blessed when our lives are focused on right living. We are blessed when we understand how we need our Savior. We are blessed when we are hungry and thirsty for Jesus himself. Because Jesus says it's at that point when the deep part of your soul that really where the needs really reside, they will be met and filled. And no matter how much stuff we accumulate in this world, we are all wise enough to know that it only has limited satisfaction length of time. It's good for a bit, but not for a long time. And pretty soon we find ourselves hungry and thirsting for something else. But Jesus said, when you hunger and thirst for me, we'll find our soul's greatest satisfaction and the joy of our spiritual journey will continue to grow and explode as we see that being met by the one who knows our deepest need and is the only one who can meet it. Blessed are you when you hunger and thirst after righteousness. There's much more in the Beatitudes that I would love to spend more time going through it, but we don't have that time. And so a friend of mine has been... um, battling cancer for some time. And so when I was researching this message, I, I sent her a message and, and said, hey, you know, I'm just looking through what it means to be blessed, and, and I'm just wondering, as you have battled cancer, can you at this point in time look at the cancer at all and say that it's a blessing? And if you can't, I want you to be honest with me, and I have a great relationship with her. She was in my church that I pastored in Saskatoon. Then just tell me straight out. So she sent back a response. It was pages long. And I just want to read a brief excerpt from it to you this morning. And I got her permission to do this. She said to me, I wouldn't be having the incredible encounters with God I'm having without going through the suffering that I've been going through. I've learned so much more about God and about his people through this that I would never have learned otherwise. It has been a blessing to push through the fear on a daily basis. And God really is my strength. I could not be doing this without him. I don't know how people do it otherwise. God is doing such incredible, amazing things through this that I just don't know how not to praise him. You see, what she has learned 
is that in her hunger and thirst for a right relationship with her Savior, her outward circumstances aren't dictating how she perceives the world or how she perceives how blessed she is because all the stuff on the outside really don't matter at all right now because we don't know where this is all going to wind up with her cancer. Got a message last night that she was just rushed to the hospital again. But what she's doing is she's hungering and thirsting after the only one who can truly satisfy the deepest need of her soul, which isn't a physical healing, but it's the spiritual knowledge of knowing I'm walking in the right road that the Savior has marked out for me. And she would say to you, if she was here this morning, I am blessed. Ben's going to lead us in a closing song as we think about the price that Jesus has paid so that you and I could truly understand what it means to be blessed.